Hey everybody, this is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. Thanks for joining us today. We're happy to have you with us today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com. We have a great topic for you today. With me as always is our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Mike. Good to be uh, sitting here again and uh, looking at the scriptures. And I think we are in our uh, part four of the, our Who is Jesus series. Indeed we are. And um, I think, you know, we started this series to talk about Jesus because I think so many people have a misunderstanding of who Jesus was. Mm. And that, we actually covered that in our first, uh, you know, first um, um, installment of this part of the series. And last week we got to when Jesus went to Samaria. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was important about that, there, there are two aspects that we kind of highlighted. You can highlight a lot of things. But one is that Jesus confronted prejudice. And we all have different prejudices. And, you know, um, and it could be, you know, a prejudice against color or socioeconomic or nationality mm. or you know, whatever, um, ethnicity, it could be anything. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't limit, it's not limited. So when we did, um, last week's, we were, we read through John chapter four and it was where Jesus met this woman at the well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to recap maybe for three, four minutes here, just so anybody joining it that didn't catch that first piece can, can jump right in, um, and stay with us in, in this session. So, Jesus ended up going to um, Samaria, and it was very interesting because at the very beginning of the um, chapter, it just gives that little thing, he needed to go through Samaria. And that would have been a very big thing to say back then, because Jews and Samaritans had no dealings with each mm. other. Uh, there was a good hatred between all of them. And, and that stems back, you can listen to the other session, you know, on that, but it stemmed back all the way to back to Babylon when they were taken captive, and uh, and you know the, the the land was resettled with other people, and then they mixed marriages and so forth. But for our purposes, what we looked at is Jesus took the twelve disciples and they walked into Samaria instead of going all the way around it, which would be typical. So when they uh, went there, it says they came to this plot of ground where Jacob's well was and uh, near this, you know, city, uh, a Sychar, and uh, they ended up, you know, going into the 12 of them went into the city to buy food, leaving Jesus alone, which right away sets it up and says, what the heck? 12 guys go buy food for 13 people. And they went in there and Jesus, I'm sure, sent them away because he was going to do something they would have probably gotten the way out mm -hmm. so he ends up having this talk with a woman the woman was at the well at noon which was a very unusual time to be there and she was alone which was a second you know thing that was very unusual because women did their work uh, in community with each other and when they would come to the well to get water it was in the early morning hours or the uh, early evening hours when it was cooler not in the hot of the day because they had to carry this you know this these water pots mm -hmm. uh, to their homes so <clears throat> Jesus comes along and sees this woman and again remember 
Men and women didn't speak in public. That was one of the mores of the culture. And so Jesus speaks to her and gets her attention. So we, we also said that it's a really incredible method of evangelism, what Jesus did. And we'll just highlight those few things. And you can, you know, anybody can read up through verse 28 and point these out. So he goes there and he speaks to the woman, which immediately gets her attention. He asks for a drink, which she said, how is it you being a Jew asks me a drink for a drink? You know, I'm a Samaritan woman. So this is not right. Something's going on here. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, screaming for us to look at it. So he speaks to the woman and he said, well, if you knew who it was that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And so the first thing Jesus did in his method of evangelism is he got her attention. You can't speak to somebody about the gospel until you get their attention. And there's a variety of ways to do that. And so he just gave us a great way there, which was to do something out of the ordinary. And he was kind to her, gentle with her, loving toward her, inviting. And all of those things went against what the typical Jew would have done with the typical Samaritan. So it certainly got her attention. Second thing he did is he said to her, well, you know, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask him and he'd give you living water. She says, well, where are you going to get this living water? The well is deep and, you know. You don't have a bucket. You, you don't have anything to throw <laughs> with. So she's thinking he meant physical. Well, we know he meant spiritual. So no, the water I give you, um, you know, you will thirst no more. And that water will become in you a spring of water, which is what? Eternal. Spring doesn't run out. Spring is a source. So, and in this case, eternal, because he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So she says, give me this water. So I don't have to come here and, you know, labor to get the water anymore. So what did he do there? He got her curious about who he was. Um, you know, if you knew who it was that is asking you, you'd ask him. Hmm. Well, who are you? You know, I'd like to know. And then that third part was he got her, you know, desirous of this and said please give it to me i'd like it so sure go call your husband and come back and you could have taken that in a very positive way in the culture because hey we're going to continue further in our discourse here in our conversation you know at that time a representative was needed <laughs> yeah we need your, your husband you know because it's probably not going to be looked upon you know uh, he wasn't breaking any laws he was breaking social norms mm. so she said, well, I have no husband. He said, that's right. You've had four or five, and the one you now have is not your husband. Oh, you know, she said, I perceive that you're a prophet. You know, our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews say it's in Jerusalem where we ought to worship. So what did the woman do? She deflects. She deflected. Same thing we do when we're called out, right? We do, we've all done that. And, you know, it's funny. You would think, many of us, what would we have done if someone deflects. You usually challenge them on it right away. Yeah, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, you're, you're not answering. You're not, but Jesus didn't do that. He goes on and carries on the next part of the conversation with her to talk about what she was talking about. And when you look at that, I, I, I used to read that and say, why would he do that? And then I thought to myself, you know, a good reason why he would do that is because he know he made his point. He know that by her deflection, she was 
convicted or mm. challenged at, at least and change the subject. So he says, okay, I made my point. So then he goes on to talk to her and she said, you know, Messiah is coming. And, well, first thing he says is uh, when she says, you know, about the worship, where to worship, he says, I tell you, a time is coming and now is when the true worshipers of God will worship not on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but they will worship in spirit and truth because God desires those who worship in spirit and in truth. And that is one of the greatest things that Jesus says to this woman because it's not important where. It's important that you do. Mm. It's not important, you know, what temple or what building you end up going to or what mountain you're on. It's important that you come to him with a clean heart, open heart, and say, you know, and seek him so he may be found. And if you're not right, you seek him and get right. And then, you know, and that's part of your whole worship experience. And that is an ongoing piece of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. So that was that's really important. So the woman said, you know, Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. It doesn't get any more clear than that in all of Scripture right. when he says that. So we're going to pick up now in our our Sec, or, or, or uh, topic for today, which is the second half of this. And we're going to look at it and say, what happens when a life changes? What happens? Now, we know this woman's life changed. And, you know, why? Because the disciples return right about the time that we just left off in that part of the conversation. And right about the time he says all that about who he is. And when they come back, they see that he's speaking to a woman, and they marveled at it, but no one says anything to him. And then in verse 28 in chapter 4, we want to pick it up. And why don't you read, Mike? Um, go 28 to 38. Okay. Then, leaving her jar of water, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have bought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Okay, so, starting right off, it says, Then leaving her water jar... The woman went back to the town and said to the people. Now, there's a lot going on right here, so I want to just really break it down. Mm. Women didn't leave their water jar. If she left it, she planned on returning. Mm. Because you just didn't leave that. That was one of the commodities you needed every day. One of the tools that you used every single day. And so this woman leaves her water jar, goes back to the town, and, and speaks to the people. 
why do we think? I'm, I'm going to throw it back at you a minute. Why, why did she do that? Why did she leave? You know what? She had so much conviction. And you think about this woman, a woman of whose people think, uh, scholars think was of ill repute yes. at the end. So she was already relatively ostracized by her community, which is why she was at the well in the middle of the day anyway. Right. But so convicted that she was brave enough and then went to everybody, the public, and said, this is what happened. Come see this man that I saw, who's the Messiah. Yeah. As Could Jesus be the Messiah? Yeah. Right. I'm so. going to put a slightly different spin on it. That's not wrong. And we have no exact answer here. And, and I think that's what I initially thought for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking through this one day, and I thought, you know, think about people when they come to faith, when they truly, truly come to know Jesus Christ. Now, think about the the stages, right? And they could all happen at once, but think about the stages. And I, I think of my own life. I, I came to faith at 16. But from, you know, I, I was always you know, marching a little bit to a different drummer. And I, I, I questioned life. I thought about life and I thought, why are we here? What are we doing? What are we, you know, and I was a little bit lost at 14, 15 years old. I did probably all the things that all the other kids were doing. Maybe not all of them, but you know, you, you know, at that time, the drinking age was 18, you know, for fun, we'd go out on the weekend and we'd you know, somebody buy us beer, we'd stand out there and somebody go in and buy a beer or something. We'd have a couple of beers and think we were like hot stuff. <laughs> you know, we were all grown up or something. You know, we try to smoke cigarettes and that never stuck with me. It was just, you know, I guess it, it, it just didn't stick. It was like, <laughs> that was a good thing. I choked on it more than I, you know, anything else. And um, so I'd pretend sometime and have one while the, you know, the other guys were having them or something. But I remember... You know, getting this job at a, at a restaurant, at Rillo's Restaurant in East Hanover. And I remember going in, and there was a lot of things on my mind, and a lot had happened to me. I was 16 at this point. And I had a couple of experiences that I could not explain except to say they were supernatural. So my mind was already thinking on that. I had no knowledge. I, I grew up in a Catholic church. I did what all of us would do. And if you, if you were Catholic, you might have been, you know, what? You know, we went to church. We went on all the major days. You made the sacraments. You know, your parents baptized you as an infant. You would go and we made your first communion. I did it in first grade, right, I think, yeah. or second, you know, second grade. First or second, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, um, you know, then we make our confirmation. I did that in sixth grade. I think that's like ninth or tenth grade mm -hmm. now. Then uh, you'd go on, you get married. That's one of the other sacraments of the church. One of them you don't want, which was the last rites. You, you want to hold that one off as long as you can do it. Um, and holy orders was another one, which is to become a priest. So you, you look at this and you go through those things. And then at the end of the day, you just hope that you've done more good than bad. And when God takes out, I'll call it the cosmic scales and weighs your, your actions, your good and your bad, that, you know, that you make it, you know, and, and, and your good outweighs your bad. Um, and a lot of people think that they are going just because they compare themselves with somebody worse than themselves. And they say, you know, look at those people. They're going, I'm going. You know what I mean? I'm in. So, so you know, I'm no Bible thumper, they'll say, but I'm certainly not, you know, I didn't rob any banks and didn't kill anybody. So we look at that and it's okay. But I came face to face with finding out that that's not how you get to heaven. That's not what God wants. That's not what gives a blessed life. And I, I came to work at this restaurant. My 
spiritual antennae were already up. And I heard one of the managers talking to some of the employees, just sitting around as they were prepping for that night's, you know, um, crowd. And I was a busboy. And so I heard them talking and something inside me just said, you've got to listen to this. So I went. And you're how old at this point? I'm 16. Okay. And they're prepping. So they're all sitting in a booth and they're folding like, you know, we would fold, you get all silverware together and, and put your, you know, your roll-ups together we called them mm-hmm. and uh you know you you put it together so i grabbed a, a tray i stuck it on a stand and i'm folding let's just listening and this woman ann is going on talking to these guys just normal conversation about her relationship to god and all this and something in me was just as excited as could be but i couldn't tell you why and i i wanted nothing more than to listen to this person then i find out over the next few weeks She's not the only person like this, the overall manager, but he wasn't very vocal. Hmm. Another one of the bus boys, the hat check girl was also, you know, and I knew her. And so I start listening, then listening. So over the course of a couple months, I'm sneaking up on that. The bus boy, he wouldn't talk in front of me because just we knew each other from school and I wasn't hanging with a crowd. He was a little bit intimidated and he had no idea that I wanted so badly to hear what he was saying. And this, I'll, I'll pause to say this. When we get afraid of sharing our faith, we already prejudge a situation. Mm-hmm. We prejudge on who's going to listen and who's not going to listen. And then we talk to the people we think will listen only to be rejected. Then we think, I'll never share with that other person because they'll never listen if this person doesn't listen. So what we're doing there is we're playing the Holy Spirit because we don't know. Man, my friend... And he was my friend, and I, I, I probably would have done the same thing in his situation, whatever. He wouldn't talk to me because he prejudged. And he told me this. He, he This is all I He prejudged I would never listen. I had to sneak up on him for three months to listen, you know, on the weekends because that's when we worked together. And finally, one day, I walked up while he was talking. He stopped again. I could see his frustration. He's talking to one of the other busboys. And he says to the other busboy, he said, do you want to go out? It's like a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, it's, either one and he says you want to go to the diner after work and we can finish the conversation and steve says to him yeah that'd be fine i said can i come now i put him in a real predicament Mm -hmm. not thinking of that or yeah i had no idea because now if we if he says yes and i go out with him he's got to talk about it because that's why they're going if he says no the other guy's going to go oh why can't he listen if this is so great Right? right? So right. Matt says, yes, we get out there, we speak, you know, conversation comes up, we're sitting there a half hour, nothing happens, so I start asking questions. He starts answering, and I just took over and dominated the, the dialogue. We stayed at four in the morning, we got there at one, because it was a weekend night, very right, busy right. restaurant, stayed till four in the morning, and I could have stayed there forever, because it was just so unbelievable what I was hearing. And then I just couldn't get enough. So I ended up coming to faith. Now, back to our story. Something that went on in me is, number one, could this be true? Number two, this is incredible if it is true. Number three, and what was so incredible? The gospel was so incredible. What was the gospel? We, we always hear that, hey, a reading from the gospel, a reading from the gospel, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel. But the actual name, the word gospel, Good news. Means good news. 
right? It is good news. And what is the good news? That Jesus died for us. Why? Because we are not perfect. And nothing imperfect can get into heaven. And there are no cosmic scales. And this, I, I cannot emphasize this or say this enough, is if there were cosmic scales, cosmic scales and you only had to do more good than bad, then Jesus died for no reason. Mm -hmm. Because he died for our sin. He became sin. He took on the wrath of God, the Father, the wrath that has to come on sin. Well, why does it have to come on sin? Because God loves us, but he's all loving, which everybody loves to emphasize. But he's also all just. Well, if he's just, he must punish mm. sin. You're a sinner? Yes? I am. I'm a sinner. Have you ever stopped sinning? You try to always not sin, but you just do. Whether you stumble into it or not, or you do it sometimes willingly with people, but there's there's no... You've done it before. It's like you've done it before, you'll do it again, unfortunately. Do you take it lightly? No. No. So the difference between you and someone that's not... A believer in Christ is you are conscious of pleasing God and not committing sin you'll fall into it you'll stumble you'll have an angry outburst with someone that you know and you know whatever and you know you'll slip up so you, you stumble but once we come to faith in Christ and we ask Jesus Christ into our lives we can always come to him because God the Father, right? It says that we have an advocate now. Advocate's a defense attorney. We have an advocate with the with the Father, and that's Jesus the Son. So we have an advocate as we stand before the, the judge of the universe. And God loves us so much. So does Jesus. But justice had to be paid. Justice had mm. to be met. It was paid by God himself. Jesus Christ came in the flesh he's the second member of the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit he comes and he took on that role of dying he lived a perfect life committed no sin but then became sin took on all the sin of the world that whoever believes in him will not perish and belief is characterized in the actions that you live mm -hmm. after that that coming to know him now what happened here could it have been conviction, as you said, for the woman? She was so convicted she had to tell people, let's say. Could it have been that the joy of new life, of an understanding? Because what was her life? You mentioned this. She was an outcast. Why was she an outcast? Because, well, Jesus pointed out she had five husbands, which even divorce in those days was, though somewhat acceptable as a woman, it was looked down on upon for sure. And she was living with a man that was not her husband, which was definitely not an acceptable practice at the time. Right. So there were a lot of things that she was at the well from, alone and, and she was at the well alone. So there was okay. a lot of things yep. that precluded her being at the well alone. So, so she, yeah, think about this, all the people you've ever run into in life. And as a pastor, I've run into maybe, maybe more of them than the regular fair share, but you'll have people that come that come from lifestyles of addiction, come from li lifestyles of, you know, sleeping around, um, lifestyles that are just not good, not healthy, and, and lifestyles the Bible doesn't condone. And what do you think those people think and feel? There, there's no way that I, that I, that anything can make up for what I've done. I've done too much. A lot of them. No, no. Like I've had people 
you're right. I've talked to people and I remember one guy, uh, a friend of mine and I were working on and he said, we were, you know, it's really trying to get him into the spirit. And he's like, no, if I walk in, I'm so sinful. The church will burn down. I remember him saying, and yes. it's like, like that, 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 that condom, that self-condemnation yeah. is, um, I'll mention a guy that we, we both know too, Kurt, mm -hmm. right? He doesn't mind. He tells me to use his name and any, anytime I want. Kurt is one of these terrific guys. Um, I've known him since he's a kid. He, he heard all about the Lord growing up and he went wild far, far away from God. That as far as you can get, you know what I mean? And so I remember calling him one day, he, he came on a mission trip with me when he was a teenager. And again, you know, he dabbled in the church and he dabbled in the world and the world got hold of him for a while. And Kurt would tell you this. He was just told it to me many times. And then, you know, I called him one day and I said, you know what? We need a, a website done for our church. And I call him up and I say to him, hey, Kurt, you're doing websites, right? I, I heard that. And every now and then I talk to your dad. So, yeah, I'm doing websites. All right, hey, can you do one for me? Yeah, okay. What is it? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It costs about this much. Great. Yeah, no worries. Um, hey. Where do you live? He tells me, he said, we have a Bible study right down the street from your house. I said, why don't you come on out? He starts laughing like that kind of, oh, oh, I go, what's about? He goes, you don't want me at your Bible study. I said, really? No, you don't. Said, why not? Because I ask questions that you don't want asked in the middle of, you know, company that people are studying the Bible. Now he got me really curious. <laughs> what kind of questions? And so he's asking questions. He goes, you know, like, why did God kill all these people in the, in the Bible and wipe out men, women, and children, you know? And so I said to him, is that the best one you got? Because I, I can answer that one in five minutes. You know, you got to have something else. So then he gave me like two or three more questions. And I said, come on, we would love that. You'll add some spice to what we're doing. So he laughs. He goes, all right, you know what? I will come. And he did come. And Kurt's still there. And Kurt's life is changing. And Kurt's, you know, uh, yeah, just... He's right there, yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. God is doing great things. Yeah, he's really growing. This woman meets Jesus. Jesus absolutely told her who he was and what he was there for. And I'm sure he said to her, "In your sins shall be forgiven. Now, he would also tell her, like he's done other people, go and what? Go and... And spread the word. Go and sin no more. Oh, sin no more, right. Right? right. Yes, so right. now... He doesn't mean go and be perfect. He'd love to say that to us. He wants us to be that. He knows that we can't be. But with every time we falter, we can come to God. And that's different than saying, oh, that's great. I can go out sin, come back to God, just ask forgiveness. You don't get it if you're thinking that. When you hurt someone that you love, hurt your father, hurt your mother, hurt your spouse, hurt your whoever, you, you feel it. And... You know, you mourn it. And maybe not in the moment. Maybe not even for a week or a month or, you know, or whatever. But but you do. So this woman, I believe, was so excited about this news, the good news. Because mm. that's what Jesus came to do. He came to share the good news. How do I know that? Because in John 19, verse 10, the story of Zacchaeus... Mm -hmm. or Luke 19, what does he say? He says, I came, right? The very reason I came was to seek and to save the lost. The lost. Would this be, would this woman be characterized as lost? Definitely. Sure. 
So now he comes to her. He gives the open invite. Realizes this, this man is different. Now, we got a piece of the conversation. Obviously, the conversation went longer. The disciples come back, right? Remember, what's one of the big things we're dealing with? We said this at the beginning. We're dealing with re realizing that he's the Messiah and, and prejudices. Prejudice. Which yes. was a huge one. Huge. So this woman is being talked to, not down to, talked to lovingly by a Jewish male who's obviously knowledgeable, who, uh, and this is as it's going, sees more and more knowledge, then recognizes this is a prophet, then he calls himself the Messiah. She takes off to go tell the people, even though she's outcast. God, when he comes in, changes your heart. You even have a heart for those that what? That that don't have a heart for you. Yes. They they you know, and this woman goes. Now she runs there. She starts to speak to the most definitely the men in the gate of the city, the higher ups. The reason I say that is because so many people came out in a moment. So you can only do that if the leadership was behind that in this case so they go out there and she leaves her water jar and the woman went back to the town and said to the people so this woman is coming and approaching definitely you know men who would have been in charge come see a man who told me everything i ever did now did he tell her everything she ever did no what she meant is come tell a man that told me things he should not have known mm that no one could have known unless he's a prophet, right? Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now that to me is another striking statement. Number one, what would make them listen to this woman knowing who she is? She's outcast. Number two, right. what would make them follow her once she did share what she shared even more so you have to be very convincing i'll tell you that much very convincing you have to have something that they is almost too much to believe and, and for you right what is one of the most convincing things that you can see you can well think of it, christianity think of the world think of your own salvation think of other people that you see come to faith you know what you can see is you can for sure i tend to see the light when you when you when someone when someone has the light of Christ, you see it. They're different. And you, you just know it. Um, when you hear someone start opening their mouth, you see someone. Sometimes when you're walking with Christ for a while, sometimes it's eye contact. Mm -hmm. You know. I've been in crowds where I've said to a person, we had a little interaction, I'll say, are you a believer? You know Jesus. And, and they'll say to me, yes, I am. How did you know that? And they say, you know what? You always know. No. Are you wrong sometimes? Sure. But, but there's something about people. There's a joy that is palpable and tangible. This woman had such an excitement coming out of her that they, number one, took the moment to listen. And then as she was sharing what she was sharing, you know, I'm not saying they believed. I don't think they did right then. But they knew that she met somebody. They were at least piqued. Their, interest Their curiosity was... was... Their curiosity. Right. So what did Jesus do? Got her, got, their, got her attention, piqued her curiosity, created desire. What did she do? She then 
Well, she got their attention. Got their attention. She went and spoke. Their curiosity and got the desire, and then they then they all went back to see. She left her water jar there. They all came back and yes. So she did the exact same thing that we're looking at here. So and this is great. Here's where we come to the prejudice part. They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Now, verse thirty-one says. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Just like the woman who was not tuned into spiritual things, mm. she kept thinking what Jesus was talking about was what? Was actual food or water. Physical water. Yeah. Now, he says, I have food that you know nothing about. And they're thinking... Well, next verse Did she tells us, some to eat? <laughs> could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Well, we just mentioned from, from the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Mm -hmm. What was his work? Luke, uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And what was the work of Jesus in verse 10, chapter 19? To seek? To seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost. Now, that wasn't only his work, or it was, but part of that work was to die. Because only then could the lost be saved. Mm -hmm. So, he came to seek them and to save them. He sought out this woman. That was a divine appointment. He went, and that was set up. You know, when we pray as believers, and we pray for people, we pray for God will often set up those appointments throughout the day. And did the disciples know that that was an appointment? No. They did not know. They no. didn't recognize it. Jesus knew. And because he was in tune with spiritual things. They're in tune right now with the physical world. They're in the land of the Samaritans. Not good. They're, they're, they come back and they see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. Not good. They see, you know, that, um, you know, they see him there and they know he was tired when they left him. They bring him physical food. He doesn't want it. Not good. You know, these are all, it's all physical. This is all they're seeing. That is the difference between somebody that comes to faith and somebody who doesn't, doesn't know the mm. They can see spiritual things. That's what we talked about when we talked about Nicodemus and Jesus, mm -hmm. right? In John chapter 3. So then he says this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So seeking and saving the lost. Do you not say that there's four months, four more months than the harvest? He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now, I'm going to read into this a little bit because I think this is not a far stretch. He says to them, don't you say there's still four months till harvest? He's talking physical or spiritual? There he's talking physical. He's talking physical. He says, right, but I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Some translations say they are white unto harvest. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to think of wheat. Mm -hmm. We're not in farm country. We used to be. This used to be all farm country. But when you're in farm country, everybody that lives near wheat fields knows that when the wheat starts coming up, what color is it? It's like this, this greenish color, then it turns yellow. So very dark green yeah. to a lighter green to a yellowish gold right to a deep gold when do you know it's ready to harvest it turns white it turns almost white now we know culturally during this time of year 
the Samaritans and others would have been wearing white. And when she comes out leading this group of people, and she must be leading because she told them, you know, come see a man, and she's going to lead them to him. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, don't you tell me there's four months. And I could picture, if you would, that they're facing Jesus. Jesus is facing the city. The woman's coming from the city, but they're facing the fields. Don't you say that there's still four months to harvest? And I'm sure they would have said, yeah. yes. <laughs> he says, I tell you, maybe even pointed or nodded his head to look. I tell you, the fields are white for harvest. And they probably turned, let's say, at that moment. And this is not in the, the scripture, but I like to think through what could have happened. This would have been a great, because mm -hmm. Jesus always used visual aids, mm -hmm. sowers and seeds, right? He used sheep. To, to talk about things. He used, you know, a father and son. Um, he used all, all these different images to, to speak the truth. So I could picture him pointing to them. They're coming out. And as they're making their way toward him, and listen to what he says. He says, the fields are ripe. Verse 36, even now the reaper draws his wages. What does that mean? It means that you don't draw any wages until you what? Until you've reaped your harvest. Right. You can't get the wages until you reap the harvest. So even now, right now, not four months from now, even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life. Eternal life. Now, what's he talking? Physical or spiritual? Now he's spiritual. Okay. You see him going he, back and forth. That connection was just boom. Perfect. Yes. So then he says, so that the sower. Which is who in this case? The one who spread the seed. Jesus. Mm -hmm. To the woman. The woman to the others. So that the reaper and the sower, or sower and the reaper, may be glad together. So, so then he says, thus the same, one sows and another reaps. This is true. That saying is true. He said, I just sowed, you're about to reap. Mm -hmm. He says, I sent you. To reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. He That's a profound others. statement. He said others. Who's the others? The others meaning those who, who heard the word. Now, yeah. Out. Not even the woman who bought the, the others back? He and okay. the woman are... They're, yeah, they're I didn't clarify that that well. I said the, I yes. really meant the woman, but the others that came with them. Yes. So they were... He goes and speaks to her. What does he speak to? He speaks to an outcast. The prejudices of the apostles. Now, he sent them into the city to get food. What did they come back with? They came back with physical food. The, the disciples? Yeah, they did. They came back with nothing more. Oh, nothing more than that, yes. Nothing more. What would he have been so excited about in those early years with the disciples? If they had come back with people. Yes. They did not yet get it. They were still prejudiced. Now, people say, wait a minute, these, you're talking about the apostles. Yeah. When Jesus called them, they were like people like you and me. They didn't know, they, they knew God. But their spiritual eyes weren't open yet. They were not. And so each of them came to faith and their awareness continued to grow day by day and week by week as they walked with Jesus. Just like when you come to faith mm. and I come to faith, our awareness 
grows week by week if we're walking with Jesus. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? If you're getting your Bible out and reading it, interacting with it, talking to each other to sharpen your skills, probably even some of the things that we're talking about, and it's happened many times in Mm -hmm. our our podcast, you'll say something, and I'm certainly more educated with the Bible, right, formally. definitely. But I learn from you all the time. And I learned from other people. It's not this is not a one way street. Just because someone got educated mm-hmm. or has more, let's say, factual knowledge of something, they can learn too. Applications are learn. You're learning those mm-hmm. every single day, and you're hearing different scenarios, and you're getting different layers and levels of of the truth and what's there. So, all of us have to walk with Jesus. All of us, and I don't care if somebody's educated in it or not. You can walk away from Jesus too. Mm. So we walk with each other. That's why fellowship is so important. And that's why COVID is so terrible, mm. right? Is it's kept everybody isolated. But worse than that, now that we're allowed to go back to church, many haven't. Right, right. And to their own detriment. And to the detriment of the larger body. Because we, when we go to the church, we rub shoulders with others and instill in them, you know, things that they need to hear. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And yes. that's really what happens. Exactly. Even it. secular studies have shown that social isolation is bad for the psyche. Those Absolutely. are those are secular studies. Forget about anything that's spiritual on top of that. Yes. So yeah, it has been pretty devastating. So Absolutely. So we need to get back there, mm-hmm. right? Um and and you know, really be be worshiping with one another. And, and fellowshipping, very, very important piece. All right, let's go a little further here. So he tells them they're about to jump in. Now, it doesn't it doesn't say, right? We know that Jesus took the lead here. But what do you think is going on in the mind of the disciples? They're probably pretty blown away. Like, all these people came from one person that you talk to and... And and the word went out, and they and she got all these people, and we work for you for all this time because they're still in the physical. <laughs> yes, and and I'm going to say something else at the very beginning uh, in in verse four of this whole thing that we were looking at, and um, it starts off saying Jesus, right? He needed to go through Samaria. Mm-hmm. I got to believe that the disciples were thinking to themselves, "Why? There's nothing in Samaria for us." Mm-hmm. Jesus says, oh, yes, there is. They just don't know it yet. When, in in their minds, they're simply passing through. Don't get contaminated. These people have the cooties. Don't don't go near them. We got to get to Galilee or, you know, wherever they were heading, right? Galilee, I think they were going. And, you know, just pass by these people. Mm. Not so. Jesus says, no, I've come for who? The lost. All, all, oh yes, all the lost, right? right. Everyone. And here is a prime example. An example. The disciples expected you're gonna, you're here to save the Jews because we are not, not these guys. Right. We're gonna set up the Davidic kingdom again, right? So you look at this and it's like, wow. Now when these people are coming out, I gotta believe that some of them are thinking, what the heck is going on? Why are they coming? What are we gonna do with them? What do you mean this harvest? These are not Jews. These are, you know. So I got to believe they sat back mm. and watched. And then maybe somewhere during this time, because they spent a couple days, but it tells us. So now look what happens. I think this is exciting. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
Now, her testimony, I get all the time, you know, what people say, you know what, I've never told anybody about Jesus. Why? I don't know enough about him yet. Has he changed your life? Yes. Then you know more than you need to know. What did she share? She shared what she knew. Which was what? Her? Which was her and her sins and, and this man. This is what this happened. The Messiah. Yeah, and this is what happened, right? I met Jesus and this is what happened. So when you met Jesus, you know what I started sharing right away when I came to faith? I could, I, I didn't, I never, I didn't know what the Old Testament was at that point. Right? Maybe I did, or, but never read it. And I just started telling people, no, Jesus wants, Jesus loves you. He wants to give you eternal life. This one. And people, and then I'd find a verse, I'd learn it. I'd learn, you know, and I was like, but I told anybody in my high school that would listen mm -hmm. to me about faith. I was too excited, overjoyed, right? And, and again, as a 16 year old, those are words you don't usually use, but I just couldn't contain it. And I think that's what happened with this woman. And she goes to this town and they're looking at this going, something happened to this woman. And we're just going to go see what that is. So they come out and it says that many of them believed because of the woman's testimony, right? He told me everything I ever did. And then I'm sure she shared what some of those things were. Mm. I almost imagine some of these people may have been with her. Could have been. In a way that was right, not right. right. And thinking to themselves, we better go check this out because what else is he going to say? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. So he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believe, became believers. So what did he do? He preached the gospel, which was part of the mission to save the lost. lost. The seeking part of it was was well underway and maybe done at that point in Samaria in, or in that city. And then now he's delivering the good news. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Mm, amen. Think of this. You share with somebody. You bring them toward God. But then they're going to turn to you one day and say, Mike, I don't believe now just because of what you said. I've now experienced it. Mm -hmm. I now see it. My eyes have been opened. Right? I once was lost, but now I am found. found right? That's the picture yeah. of salvation. So after two, two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet is no honor in his own country. Now, isn't that funny? What did he just come off of? He just came off of converting, letting so many people find out he was the Messiah in a land of people of outcasts. Then and he goes he back to what? his own people. But before he leaves, he was honored among them. Mm. And they believed that he was Messiah. And then he says, after two days, he left for Galilee. And then it just gives us this, this note. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Isn't that something? Mm. Why? Familiarity breeds contempt. Yes. You grew up among them. Who are you? You're not of the nobility. You're not of the prophetic stock. You, you know, what makes you think you know? You know, and, and this would be, there would have been jealousies and envy. But for people that didn't have that, they meet somebody from a different country, a Jew, who would speak to them. Not just speak to them, but be kind and loving. 
it tells us something about how we're supposed to be. Mm. We're supposed to look to the, to the outcast, to the downcast. Look to those that are different from us. Look and say, God, open doors for me. Because many times, the greatest way to reach people is to be the person least likely to tell them. And that would get their attention, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, right? for sure. So that would be important. Now, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem because they were down there for the feasts. Uh, so in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. And now Jesus is going to go on to something more, healing one of the officials' sons. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to pause here because that's the end of our story. But think about this. Jesus just gave a lesson, a hands-on lesson that... If you did this in a classroom, might not have gone over as well. But you actually took the people. I remember when I was in college studying biblical literature and to go into ministry. We were required each semester to get involved in some form of ministry. So one of the ones I got involved in was youth prisons. Mm -hmm. And we would go. And there was black white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, everybody you can imagine, kids all hurting but with tough exteriors, you know, broken on the inside. We had great teachers that would tell us, let me tell you what you're going to face. They're going to curse at you. They're going to say things nasty to you. But, but then all you're going to do is sit down and at first not even talk about Christ. You're just going to, there's board games that we have, there's card games that we have. Because nobody visits them. We're just going to play these games. We're going to do this. And that's what we want to do. Then when the moment's right, you're going to be here every week for the whole semester. When the moment's right, and you look for the moment. Some of, some of you will have that moment tonight. Mm -hmm. Because someone else has shared some work with some of these kids. And you just happen to come in at the reaping stage. Or the watering stage. Mm -hmm. But some of you are going to plant seeds. Some of those seeds are just simply caring enough to visit. What did Jesus say in Matthew 25? He separated the sheep from the goats into the ones on his right, the sheep. He said, come into the kingdom mm. that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Why? Because when I was, I was in hungry, prison... You gave me something to drink. When I was well, in prison, you came to visit. Right? And you are the arms and legs of Jesus in that situation. And so you go, and you you come. Who is at work? Oh, the Holy Spirit's at work. Do you see him? No, but you you don't see it with your eyes, but you can see it with your yes. with your spiritual eyes. And sometimes you can't see it even with your spiritual eyes at the moment. At the moment, right? But Jesus said, "I am always at work. My Father is always at work, and I am always at work. God is at work all around you all the time." You don't see it, but if you start looking for it, the opportunities arise. And then you start seeing. And then when you hear a person's testimony, you'll hear things like, you know, 10 years ago, somebody tried to tell me this. Three years ago, somebody got hold of me and a bad thing happened in my life. And I actually prayed once for the first time. Then this happened, then this happened. And then today, God showed me he's real. Mm. Boom. You didn't know that before you talked to him. Mm -hmm. You had no idea. 
And these are things that I think are critical for us to understand. Jesus went knowing he had a divine appointment. The disciples went hoping that they wouldn't be delayed. We don't want to meet. We don't want to rub shoulders with these people. We don't. We don't even want to go near them. Mm. Right? They're they're not the chosen. They're not the ones. Right? We're here to set up a kingdom. So was Jesus, just not the kingdom they thought, or defined differently. They were both calling it the same thing. Here to set up God's kingdom. They get that mm-hmm. in their minds. It was a continuation of the Davidic kingdom, King David. Yes. And you know, in Jesus' mind, no, he was the one who was prophesied to come to sit on the throne and to be king in that kingdom he was from the lineage of david they just couldn't see it yet you know amen and so you look at all this and it is crazy stuff in the scripture when you read it and you see it it just makes your heart leap you know and you look and say you can't wait to see somebody and see what god is doing so we have to believe that god is at work around us all Mm. so any last thoughts hey listen it was it was awesome tonight there were so many things that you were saying so eloquently that were just jogging me for like scriptural cross references things that happen testimonies that i could we could sit here for hours and i could tell you about testimony about things that have happened through my life and you know not to give up on on certain things going back to quickly to the story i told you about about the guy that said oh if i walk in the church will burn down several years so he ended up moving and a couple of years later he actually called um my friend back up that we had been talking to him about and he said you know my marriage is falling apart and my life is crumbling and i i don't really know what to do about everything but i remember you guys talking to me and something is spurned in me and i need to know about jesus and you know what he became a christian and he goes to church to this day. You never know when you plant the seed. No. When it's going to come out. You said it so or well. Or when you're watering it. Right. Or when you're watering it. You just spread the seed. The yep. Holy Spirit convicts and gets them going. It could be my best friend. I told him about something when I was I was saved when I was 14. And I pushed 30 years later. We're having, a, we're having a barbecue. And we're sitting and he talks to me about it. He says, Mike, you know, I'm sorry for... And I love him. He's really like my brother. And I said, he says, Mike, you know what? I'm I'm sorry for when we were kids, and I used to kind of razz you about it. And I was like, No, he didn't. It was it was all right. He's like, Yeah, no, I'm really sorry. He goes, You know what? I get it now. And that actually opened my eyes because he was a rough, tough marine. I mean, this guy was afraid of nothing and just was you know all out, pedal to the metal. And when he came around and said that, that was that was an open eye opener for me as a Christian. But like you said, you never know. You never know the day or the hour. Well, it's interesting. Will come too. You know, going to that prison, um, the youth prison, it was in Newark, New Jersey. And as we went in week after week, every Thursday night, we went in. And, um, you know, we saw all the same kids. You know, every now and then somebody would be different. You'd see a new kid. And, um, you know, probably every, every week you saw one new one or two. And then one of the other ones wouldn't be there anymore. There's about. I'm going to say 40 to 50 of them that would be released onto the floor. And when you come in, you go through a medical metal detector, door locks behind you. Next door opens. You go through that door, that door locks behind you. Go over to the elevator. Into the elevator, it's all operated by a key. Locks behind you. Go up to the fourth floor where this, you know, open floor was. We get let out. That elevator gets locked. Second elevator lets all the kids in. We were told if there's ever a blackout, they said, which happens, not, it's not uncommon. 
this is the corner you all run to and all the guards will, will get in front of you. And, you know, and the guards they had, I don't know where they plucked them from, but they were, <laughs> every one of them was well over six foot um, or six foot wide, either one. But they were, they were just huge. These guys were huge. And, um, and so we'd go out in the one, one of the nights, you know, I'm giving Bibles to everybody and I get to share the gospel with all of them because we'd been there about a month. So they, they started to get used to us. So I share the gospel with the whole group. And, you know, we gave everybody a Bible that wanted one, and almost everybody did. So, two weeks later, I'm in Patterson, right, New Jersey, and I'm in a McDonald's. And I'm sitting in McDonald's with a couple of people. I was doing some ministry things. And all of a sudden, this huge guy, you know, comes walking up, and he taps me on the shoulder. And I look at him, and he goes, I just wanted to say thanks. I have no idea who this guy is. And he says, I'm one of the prison guards from, from Newark. I said, what are the odds of you and I meeting? Right, right, right. Patterson at a McDonald's, he laughs, he goes, go figure. He said, I started reading that Bible. He said, I just wanted to say thanks. He said, Amen. anytime you want to talk, I gave him my number. Anytime you want to chat, you know, I'd love to chat with you about it. So you never know, right? So we went there for the kids, not thinking of the guards right so now i don't go anywhere i think of everybody that's right, there, right. you know it's because it, you never know you go for one thing god's got a whole nother thing mm -hmm. planned you know so anyway um so i think that that does it for tonight and uh you know i hope uh if you're listening to this tonight i hope you picked up a few things and uh you'll you'll join us again we're going to continue in our series series who is jesus mm. because we hit multi-dimensional things jesus had no prejudices all of us are god's children mm in one sense that were created by God, multicolored, multi-ethnic, multi-everything. Um, you know, but not all of us are God's children spiritually. Mm. We are physically, but unless we are spiritually, we're not going to be with him in all eternity. That breaks his heart. And so he wants people to come to know him. And uh, I hope that if you're listening tonight, you got what was uh, being laid out there and uh, that you'll come to know him by faith. Mike, why don't you close us? Uh, listen, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being able to spread the good news. And um, Jesus, we pray that, that these words that come from you will fall on ears that will hear, Lord, and come to you. And if you're one of those people out there that, that really want to get to know Jesus, pray, Lord Jesus, come to me. Let me know you. Let me follow you. And, and he will. He will. And we just thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. See you next time, guys, or at least talk to you. <laughs>